Spice girl, ziggy ziggy, I fuck up my whole world. Pause when she talk, nothing like old girl. Scary and sporty. Tell her what I want, what I really, really want is a spice girl. All right, all right, all right. Well, welcome to Impact the Podcast, sponsored by the universe and powered by Venture Cafe. I am your host, um, Tanya T. Morris. And for the first time in Impact the Podcast history, Neff and I are actually going to be drinking the same thing. OMG. <laughs> That's in part due to your, your magic, your black girl magic. That's what I, that is. <laughs> I do. I do what I can, and uh, we try to always buy local. And I'm so excited today to have uh, Black is Beautiful from two local guys, uh, brewery, two African American men, um, right in West Philadelphia, that are starting a brewing company. And so, this is what we'll be drinking today. And so, the rules are for those of you that don't know, anytime during this podcast because it was birthed during the time of COVID-19. If you say Corona, I'm going to say it like Will Times, if you say Corona, then uh, Neff and I have no other choice but to take a sip of our beer of choice today. So Tanya, I am totally comfortable with everyone taking a sip. And I'm also totally comfortable with Judy making sure she says Corona (laughs) out the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> so when I say Corona, you have to drink. Is that the idea? That is, that it. is it. And you can join. Us. All right, I better and get you started. can join. And Sharice, you can join us too. Whatever your your drink of choice is, you can join us. I'm cracking <laughs> mine open. I'm, I'm at work. <laughs> I'm reporting live for Spruce Street Harbor Park. I can't, I can't. So it smells amazing, and I'm pouring great color. Some, I did have some of the beer. Uh, oh, you had you've had yeah. some of it, Sharice. Okay. Yes, I have a beer coming out. It uh, it came off the same line as as that beer. So right. you got to hold on to that. Now there's something else. Uh, I hold on. <laughs> I hold on to it. I knew Sharice was working on something. So <laughs> wow. So this month, our focus is systems. By definition, a system is a set of things working together as parts of a mechanism or an interconnecting network procedures according to which something is done. So I'm so excited. Um, I've actually talked to Sharice before. I've interviewed her before, um, but I've just continued to follow her and be just so utterly impressed with her her story. Uh, Sharice is the owner and producer of Local Artesian Foods, um, and she decided to take the big leap into full entrepreneurship in 2018. Day one, she resigned from her job. On day three, she opened up her French Toast Bite stand. And within the first 45 days in business, Sharice had already earned three-fourths of her former annual salary, setting a trend of positive growth for her venture. And in just a year and a half, she's opened two semi-permanent retail locations and brought her signature trademark spice blend to market. Uh, You will not need any other French 
lactose seasoning. I have some in my cabinet. Um, in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic, Sharice became the first black woman to own and operate a food establishment in Spruce Street Harbor Park. Sharice, thank you and welcome to Impact the Podcast. Thank you. It's good to talk to you and see you again. Yes. Under different circumstances for sure, but it's always a pleasure. Yes, yes. So Sharice, I wanted to start off. I know your success wasn't accidental, but what is your process and who are some of the collaborators that you consider to be a part of your system? Oh, okay. How much time do we have on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't if I didn't learn anything else, um, relationships have proven to me has proven to be more valuable than money. So my relationship with the African American Chamber of Commerce, my relationship with um, this uh, Enterprise Center, the Center for Culinary Arts, my relationship with my undergraduate uh, Temple University School of Tourism, my relationship with my uh, MBA programs, uh, St. Joe's Food Marketing. Uh, so all those relationships kind of just all work together. My relationship with the media has been positive. So it's just relationship after relationship after relationship that's just been working in unison. And that's how I was able, you know, to be where I am. And you know, Sharice, that's actually how I met you. You were on the podcast with Cherry Gregg, and I heard the podcast, and I reached out to you immediately. So tell our listeners a little bit more about your story that, you know, fill in the blanks a little bit of what some of the information that I gave as well. Oh, sure. Um, seven years ago, I, maybe eight years ago, I got into the open food market economy. I managed the Lansdale Farmer's Market for seven years. And during that time, I had a very, very unique opportunity to see uh, independent food producers live their dream under this 10 by 10 white tent. And the ones that were doing it right were making six figures. So I'm like, wait a minute, I think I'm on the wrong side of the tent. So after about uh, five years into it, my daughter, who grew up in farmer's market, she's 14 now, 12 at the time, she said that she wanted a business in the farmer's market. But a kid telling you they want a business in the farmer's market is you having a business in the farmer's market. And I didn't know if I had the capacity at that time to manage a stand and my daughter in the market. So I was like, uh, I don't know. So she got a little bit older, she turned 12 and she wanted to have lemonade. But a lot of a rule for area farmer's markets is that you have to be, you have to source locally. I said, baby, lemons ain't local. So how are you gonna make, <laughs> I said, how are you going to make this lemonade? She was like, I said, how are you going to make this lemonade local? She said, I can go ask the farmers for their fruit. And every week it would be a new flavor. I was like, oh, okay. I like it. She reached <laughs> out to some of our uh, farmer friends and they sold her their seconds. They're super ripe or the ones they couldn't sell because they were damaged. But it didn't matter to her because she just chopped them up and threw them in lemonade. And in 14 days, in farmer's market time, that's like 14 weeks. But 14 days, she made like $6,000 off of this lemonade. And I got jealous. I'm like, wait a minute. I see these, <laughs> I see these uh, vendors, the jellies, the jams, the guacamole. So I'm like, wait a minute. My daughter is this lemonade. I was, and I'm still on the wrong side of this. So I took it seriously. I went back to school in 2018, January, uh, St. Joe's to get the MBA in food marketing. Just tied it all together and took the leap of faith. So most people go back to school to get a better job. I went back to school and quit my job. Mm-hmm. 11 months after that, I quit on November 15th. And two days later, I launched French Toast Bites right at Christmas Village in Idaho City Hall. And, and the, the rest, rest of this <laughs> I love that. That is an amazing story. And Tanya has told me some of your story, but to hear it from you firsthand, thank you. Oh, they, oh thank you. Yeah, no problem. It was, it's been quite the journey. And, uh, you know, COVID, again, relationships, relationships, relationships. The Inquirer called me. It's like, well, what are you going to do? All your events are canceled. I was like, I don't know. I'm going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I think it said that in the article. 
So one of my friendly uh, restaurant owners who lives in town, she's like, what do you need, Sharice? I was like, I just need a kitchen so I can, you know, sell the bites on Uber Eats or Grubhub, Dash Dash, DoorDash or Black and, Mo Black and Mobile. She was like, you can come here on gratis. I was like, you ain't going to charge. She was like, no, I got you. We got to be in this together. We got to get through this together. Plus, I can introduce you to a new customer base and you can introduce me to your customer base. It was great. Uh, she had me operating at about 40, 45% of no, what I would normally do during, during the time. So that was a big blessing. I was so active on DoorDash. DoorDash reached out and I'm one of 10 food establishments who sits on the National Restaurant Advisory Committee for them uh, just because I made that pivot during uh, COVID. So um, it's good to have a voice with that system yeah. uh, also. So it's just been great. And it's just, you know, keeping my name out there and being relevant even during this time. When Hip City Veg didn't come back to Spruce Street Harbor Park, I, I was the first one they called. Wonderful. You know, this is kind of where, this is kind of my space. Like I love open air markets and I tell people yeah. all the time, I'm not really in the food business, I'm more in the people business. And yeah. I think Corona proved uh, that more than anything. Uh, <laughs> I think Corona uh, proved that more than anything. And so, but now, so we had to pivot and we did the 180, you know, to, to the strictly delivery takeout model. And now we did another 180 to make a complete 360 back to where we belong, outside yeah. with the people. That's where, right. where it all started. Cherise, that's a fascinating story. I'm Nefertari. It's wonderful to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. I want to bring our other guest into the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I have the pleasure of introducing you to an author, activist, and entrepreneur. Her name is Judy Wicks. She's widely Judy known. Wicks. <laughs> I, my idol. She's my idol, actually. That's oh, right. That's right. You, you pronounced our wrong. Our. <laughs> our. <laughs> so Judy is the founder of Philadelphia's iconic White Dog Cafe. She's a pioneer in the buy local food movement. She runs the Circle of Aunts and Uncles. That's a micro loan company or like micro loan fund for local entrepreneurs. Her numerous local and national awards include the Impact Award for Economic Justice from Social Venture Network, Women Chefs and, and Restaurateurs Lifetime Achievement Award, and the International Association of Culinary Professionals Humanitarian Award. Judy, Ooh. welcome to Impact. Thank you so much. Thank you for making the time today. We, we all are in awe of your journey. And what's even more amazing is it's not over yet, right? There's so much more <laughs> to come. So throughout your, your career, you've built effective systems that serve the community. What's the role in your mind of job creators in the ecosystem? Yeah, well, let me, I, I just wanted to first uh, respond a little bit to Cherise because I wanted to say that we are, we are soulmates in this way and seeing business, uh, that business is about relationships. It's not really about money, you know, it's about our relationships with our employees, our customers, our community, with nature. Uh, mm -hmm. And that money is simply a tool that we use, but it's not, what business is really about. Uh, Preach so I, you know, <laughs> we have that in common. <laughs> we sat um, together at the Edible Philly event a couple of years back. Yeah, uh, you and your oh. daughter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, my work right now um, is about building uh, local self-reliance in our region um, to produce the basic needs that we need of food, energy, building materials, clothing, uh, uh, in our own region. Uh, and when we do that, we move uh, wealth and power from outside corporations back to our communities. We create more ownership opportunities and we, t and we create a lot more jobs. 
So every time we buy something that's manufactured outside of Philadelphia, uh, that's, our, our money is leaving our community and, and with it the opportunity for the jobs that could be created if we produce um, those basic needs locally. Um, so uh, right now my latest, my latest uh, venture in a sense, it's a nonprofit, is called All Together Now Pennsylvania. Uh, and it's about how can we all pull together uh, to build um, a, a regional economies throughout our state that are uh, uh, work in harmony with nature um, and that are economically just. Um, if we're gonna build a new economy, we wanna do it, uh, we don't want business as usual. You know, we want to um, have a different set of values. Uh, that it's time for the revolution of values that Dr. King called for back in the 60s uh, when he uh, and, and encouraged us to, to move from a thing-oriented society to a people-oriented society. Um, and that, uh, uh, th right now, uh, that is about our very survival, I feel. Mm. That, um, you know, between climate change, um, but the only way we're going to survive climate change is if we work together to, cre to create a, a new economy. Um, and, you know, uh, of course, as we know, with... Um, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, that this new economy that we are creating uh, must be one that's fair and inclusive, um, and that it provides opportunity for our young people, hope, you know, that the young people in our city um, can see where they can fit in to the economy. They can find an opportunity to contribute, you know, their skills and talents uh, and energy and passion um, into an economy that works for all of us. Um, so I'm very, um, I'm very excited about this work. Uh, we, we're working in seven areas. We have uh, uh, co we formed coalitions um, in, in uh, local food and energy. Hemp um, is a big deal right now because it just became legalized. Uh, and there's so many opportunities uh, in hemp. Um, hemp is a food, um, it's a building material, it's, um, it's a fiber and so on. So there's many different new industries that can come from hemp. And, say, and plant medicine is another area that we're working in. And we see the legalization of marijuana is drawing more attention to plant medicines. And so mm. we need to educate our people, you know, what are the benefits of uh, CBD, you know, mm -hmm. uh, THC, um, and other traditional plant medicines like, you know, golden seal or whatever, mm -hmm. that, you know, that we, we need to learn how to use these plant medicines to our benefit, buy them from local farmers and entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. uh, and move, again, money and wealth from the pharmaceutical company to our own communities by learning how to use plant medicine. And uh, most of the pharmaceutical, you know, drugs that they sell us are based on plant medicine anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, and many of them were discoveries by indigenous people. Uh, so, um, you know, it's, um, I feel like this is the best way to, to create jobs and, and to create community wealth. Um, you know, by, uh, by controlling the means of production, uh, that that's where it's at. It's not just about uh, locally owned stores, which are very important also, but what are the stores selling? Are mm -hmm. they selling stuff from China or are they mm -hmm. selling stuff that's made in our community? Mm -hmm. So that's where the real change comes. If we can actually produce the, 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 the clothes, the food, the building materials, um, and the energy uh, in, in our own state and do it in a way that works with nature, um, and is inclusive and just. Uh, so that, that's where I'm at. And, and I, I must say, in talking about systems, that that was my big aha moment. Uh, you know, back in the days of the white dog, I thought that the best thing I could do 
was to have good practices within my company. You know, paying a living wage, buying from local farmers, using renewable energy, composting my food waste, you know, all these things, that that's, that was it. Um, but then uh, I had a realization that it was more than that. And it came about because, um, you know, we, we established relationships with our farmers um, to buy all humanely raised animal products, uh, organic fruits and vegetables, all this kind of stuff. And I prided myself on having this uh, network of farmers that supplied the white dog. Um, and I was looking at my menu and thinking, gee, like all, all of our, you know, products come from local farmers. Like this is our competitive advantage. This is our market niche. You know, this is all about us. And then I had a realization that if I really cared, you know, about the small farmers, if I really cared about the environment that was being polluted by the industrial farming system, if I cared about the workers on these horrible uh, slaughterhouses and, and plantations and whatnot, if I cared about the consumers that were eating food that was full of poison and uh, hormones and all kinds of stuff, then rather than keeping my supply list of farmers to myself, I would get my competitors to buy from the farmers as well, to give them my supply list. Um, and that I needed to turn my attention away from my own company to the system, to the food system you know, in our region, that, that, you know, that we, it's not enough just to have one restaurant buying from farmers, that we had to create a system that we, a, a food system for our region, and, and um, that was to increase the, the network of farmers around me into like a regional network that were supplying all the restaurants. And, you know, when I first thought of this, at first I was afraid. I thought, oh my God, I can't do that. I'm giving away my competitive advantage. You know, I could go out of business and my profits will go down, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the fear came in. But, but then I realized that, you know, uh, that, that my love was stronger than my fear, basically, you know, like that, uh, for my community, for the farmers, for the farm animals that were being uh, mistreated in the industrial system. Um, and I was able to, to do that. And since that point, my life has changed. You know, once I realized that I was working to build a system for everyone to benefit uh, from, um, and that I would benefit too, it's enlightened self-interest. Because if we didn't have a strong system, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't do well either. You know, so, you know, I moved my attention from just my own business to building um, a regional food system. And eventually I got into the other aspects of uh, local self-reliance beside food, like the energy, the white dog was the first business in Pennsylvania to buy 100% of our electricity from local renewable sources um, and so on. Um, so, but anyway, I just want to congratulate you about uh, having a subject about systems because that's what we, we all have to do. And when I, my organization is called All Together Now, and we need everyone to build a system. This isn't just about like one business doing something right. This is about how can we all come together to build an alternative economy that works for all of us. Uh, so that's what excites me. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, it was, it's a lot there to, to unpack. Um, but wow, I, I really want to talk about this new economy that, 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 that Judy's talking about and all together now and how we can all become contributors um, to that and the role that we play. And Sharice, I, I want to go go back to you as we as we kind of unpack some of the things that Judy said, because I saw you lighten up as you know with some of the things that she was saying about this new economy. And this ties into a conversation we had a couple months ago with Black and Mobile and with um Jamila Medley from the cooperative, we were kind of talking about these same 
things and, and how all of these things kind of work together. And so Sharice, how, you know, just how do you see yourself in this, in this ecosystem? And you talked about relationships um, in this food ecosystem. Um, how, how, how are you contributing and how do you see yourself moving forward in this ecosystem? Oh, um, you know, as I said, I spent seven years of my life at a farmer's market. So I'm very partial to buying locally produced mm-hmm. foods, locally grown or locally produced, because that's two different things. So locally produced uh, items, locally uh, food. So our, our strawberries that we use as a, uh, you know, is local and our bread comes from Horsham, Pennsylvania. So um, th- that's why the business is called local artisan yeah. foods because it started launching with my daughter's lemonade with the local lemonade. So we just try to stick to that. But we have systems within our hiring practices. We have systems within our partners and just making sure everything makes sense and that we're all fundamentally rooted in the same place. That's mm-hmm. who I do business with. I don't care how big the uh, paycheck is from it. If we're not fundamentally rooted in the same place, then I'm going to pass on the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just by the way, the, the lemonade is amazing. I just need to put that out there real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. They, uh, oh, so to speak to that, I'm here at Spruce Street Harbor Park. They they wouldn't allow my daughter to sell the lemonade here because they want us to buy products from Liberty Coke. We don't drink soda. I don't believe in soda. So I told them I'm not Good selling soda <laughs> at all. I'm not at all. So they said, well, That's you at least have to get the water. So they make us buy Dasani water and charge wow. three bucks. Everybody wow. from Chiquia Pete's, Jose Garces, us, everybody. But I take those kind of stances. Like, I'm yeah. not doing it. Like, you can't make me sell soda. My business is called Local Artists and Foods. That's I don't right. sell anything that you can't pronounce. That's <laughs> <laughs> That's I, I don't. Look at Judy. Judy got the fist up. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't. For, I don't. For those that are listening, they can't see it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Over the journey, I, I did not know when Tanya invited me to participate in this, how enlightened and how enlightening these conversations would be. Over the last past five months, we have focused on community catalysts, building reservoirs in the community, disruption, adaptation, now systems. Judy, you've basically laid out the blueprint for us. You've shown us the way. Is there something we're missing? Uh, Money. (laughs) (laughs) Money. But also as far as opportunities, where what are some other opportunities, you know, within this ecosystem? You know, you talked about the hemp for one thing, you know, that being an opportunity. Yeah. And then like our governor is finally gonna, you know, man up and yeah. uh pass some legislation. So what does that mean for us as a state yeah. going forward as far as opportunity? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, a couple things I could say here. Um our plant medicine uh coalition. Um, it's actually uh, 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 led by Sharon, um, Thomas, uh, Perry Thomas, I don't know if you know her. Um, and um, she, um, uh, she, she's uh, uh, holding a Black Cannabis uh, Week uh, at the end of September, which coincides with Hemcrete Week <laughs> that all the other now is doing. So we're doing, um, I, you know, I wish I had the date in front of me, but we're, um, does anybody, do you all know about One Art out on 52nd Street? Uh, it's a most incredible place, um, but um, uh, Malika and her husband, uh, one, uh, have this oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. farm and a complex there. They have a restaurant, although of course it's closed right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so they're hosting our um, Hempcrete um, um, program that we're doing there, uh, which is on, um, I think it's Thursday, uh, September 24th, but we have a... Um, uh, 
I wish I had, I, I could, I should look this up, but I, I assume it's under black, there's a black cannabis uh, website, but there's also a hempcreteweek.com website, and that, mm. that's for sure, hempcreteweek.com. Uh, we'll give the details. Um, so we're going to have this uh, workshop on what is hempcrete, you know, uh, out um, uh, on uh, 52nd Street to show people how hempcrete is made. Uh, we're going to actually be making some hempcrete there and, and um, installing it in a, in a wall uh, at One Art. Uh, where Sharon is going to be opening a store uh, called Plant and People about uh, our relationship yes. with plants and all the things that we can learn from plants. So she's a, um, a vegetarian and so on. And um, but um, hempcrete is going to be big. Uh, hempcrete is a um, is a green building material um, that absorbs carbons indefinitely. So it takes the place of um, poisonous products, basically, like. Um, fiberglass insulation and styrofoam, all this nasty stuff that we use in our walls. Mm. Um, and so it's, uh, it, 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 it fills our walls with this material that absorbs carbons. It's mold resistant, uh, fire retardant. Um, it, uh, it gets harder over time. But anyway, there's gonna be a lot of jobs in that. And we have a project that we're working on now. I can't, I can't talk about it publicly yet because it's in the works. Um, but the manufacturing of this, uh, if this goes through, it's going to be in North Philly. Um, so we, we, we want to, uh, so all together now, our mission is, is to connect rural and urban communities mm. to build local supply chains uh, that produce our basic needs um, in a, an economy that works for all of us. So with hemp, um, our local farmers can grow the hemp. Uh, we process it out there. We bring it into North Philly into a manufacturing plant where we will actually make some uh, products from this. Um, I, uh, and it, it, this project is in the works right now. Another project we have in the works uh, is hemp milk as a dairy alternative. Mm. That we want to make a milk that's a blend of um, several different uh, grains uh, and it, it all from uh, Pennsylvania farmers. Um, and there's a, a, one of our advisors, we have an advisory board. In fact, Jamela Medley is on our advisory board. Mm -hmm. uh, she's, al she's also a, a collaborator um, uh, for the Circle Vance and Uncles, or microloan micro fund. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, as we, when we see gaps in the local supply chain, uh, we, we, we're, our intention is to start cooperatives um, to fill those gaps. So mm -hmm. we'll be working with Medley for the uh, urban cooperatives and with another um, Keystone uh, Coalition um, a, a keystone, um, uh, whatever, <laughs> um, uh, for the um, uh, rural uh, cooperatives. Okay. Uh, I forget the whole name of the Keystone Center, uh, Development Center, Keystone Development Center. Um, so anyway, um, uh, so, the, so cooperative ownership um, is one of the things that we want to uh, uh, hold up um, in these different enterprises. So with the hemp milk, uh, that may be a cooperative, um, a farmer cooperative, um, but if, if, as we get larger and we're going to start bottling in Philadelphia, there would be a, a, a bottling cooperative or at least a profit sharing, you know, with the workers in Philadelphia. And so um, another one of our advisors, uh, Sean Nesbitt, owns um, a Good Karma Coffee. Um, he's uh, African-American um, and uh, he has four uh, coffee shops. And so he's very interested um, in carrying our product because it's going to be 100% grown in Pennsylvania. So it's helping our farmers. Uh, hopefully, once we get the bottling thing up in the city, it'll be helping um, urban workers as well, you know, to have that be um, our uh, dairy alternative choice, you know, for the coffee shops and so on. Um, so, so I think there's a lot of uh, opportunities in health yes. um, as food, 
um, as, as building material, eventually as uh, you know, a fabric. It's kind of a stiff fabric. Uh, the colonial people wore it, but for, for us sissies in modern times, we want something a little softer. <laughs> it probably has to have you know other things blended in with it. But anyways, there's going to be jobs there, uh, and there's going to be jobs. Uh, hopefully, that we can get a bill in Pennsylvania about THC that's mm -hmm. going to um, make it accessible, you know, for our farmers and our um, our urban entrepreneurs, uh, because we we want to make sure that this industry. Um, helps the communities that have been um, damaged by the war on drugs. You know, mm -hmm. how can we give back? You know, a, 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 some sort of a, like a, a drug policy reparations in a sense. You know, to help people who. I mean, right now there are white guys making millions of dollars off uh, the same drug that black men are in jail for. Mm -hmm. uh, like right now, I mean, this That's is right. That's right. so unjust. That's so right. We need to have a bill in, in Pennsylvania that addresses this. That you know that um, that that pardons all, all the nonviolent uh, drug offend, uh, um, you know uh, offenders and so on and 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 not only pardons them it gives them a chance to get into this industry in a legitimate way um, so I think there's there's going to be opportunities there I hope um, and uh, yeah so I think in in this uh, uh, plant now that's been uh, illegal for 80 years. <laughs> Uh, and is now is back. I think there's a lot of opportunity for um, ownership opportunities and job opportunities there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have to listen to this podcast multiple times <laughs> to get from it all the amazing tidbits that I'm hearing. Um, but one thing that you said led me to an idea. Tracy Bralla is here and I'd like her to unmute just to confirm for me. Next month's our sixth, uh, sixth month anniversary on the 24th of September, the same day as Judy's activities. I think that it's in good order to ensure that we cover that. What are your thoughts? Well, I was just looking at the site and the time said TBD. So I was actually thinking the same thing, Nefertari. Great minds think alike that we should figure out an opportunity to collaborate. So. Yeah. We will certainly be in touch um, to figure out how we integrate the opportunity and um, get folks kind of understanding um, everything that's happening in the broader ecosystem. Amazing. That's great. That'd be so cool. Wonderful. Love it. Just in tall order, I'm going to say Corona. Just because. Just because. Cherise, tell us about what you plan for your future. You mentioned something about a brew. What? Oh, yes. And Conquering how do world. you decide? She's going to conquer the world. <laughs> <laughs> how do you decide um, what's next? Uh, Joe Modestine from Doylestown Brewing Company reached out to me. He said, I saw you on the news twice. I love your energy. Have you thought about getting into the beer, the craft brew, craft beer industry? I was like, oh, it crossed my mind. Nothing I was ever fully, you know, invested in. He was like, I want to do a French toast beer with you. Uh -huh. Uh, I was like, well, let's do a French toast beer. I was like, what do you need from me? And he said, uh, bring your spice up here <laughs> and we, we'll go from there. And I need your logo and we'll, we'll be good to go. I said, wait, Joe, Joe, I don't do things for show. So you're not going to just slap my logo on a can of beer and I'm going to like float around and sell it. I need to make it. So I, I need the intern here. I need to know the process on, on how to do it. So last Friday we started, I go every Friday 
to brew this beer. And every week at the end of the night here at Spruce Street, we save all of our French toast bites. And I take them there and, we, and it's in the mash. So it's truly French toast bites beer. Like there's French toast <laughs> bites in the mash in the bar. And I go up there every Friday because I, I need to be a part of the process. So stuff like that. Um, so we have spice bites and uh, beer. The official release date is uh, National French Toast Day. Uh, which, which is, is, I think, this year, November 28th or 27th. It's like after my birthday. It's after my <laughs> birthday. Right? Yeah, exactly. like it's after uh, my birthday. Yeah, so I'm very excited to get that out there. There's not a lot of black women in the craft brew space nationally, but definitely not in Philadelphia. So that's just something I'm excited to get in, uh, get involved with. And I wanted to be hands-on with it. I, I go every Friday. And so tomorrow will be my second day. I call it my internship. It's <laughs> amazing. I am so excited. <laughs> you know, We'll definitely have you back, Sharice. You'll be uh, a sponsor the next time we have you back with the, <laughs> with, the with the beer. So no I'm doubt. so excited. And so I don't know. I don't know if you told if I told you this or not, but you know when Sharice talked about pivoting and partnering with another restaurant, you know that was our spot, the Better Box. Oh you know, and gosh. her her in the Better Box, and um, that's one of my other my other spots. So during this whole time, I've been making my rounds to where you know we want to support as many local, especially Black-owned businesses as we possibly can. So the Better Box is, is, one, of my, is one of my stops. And now that Sharice is down at the park next time, um, enough in the city, we're going to definitely come down in and support you. But I support Sharice all the time because I got French toast. You know, <laughs> in my the story, like, I think the bigger story with Tamika reaching out to me is showing the city, showing the nation that, you know, two Black women can come together and partner. Yes. And like combined our resources. She has way more followers than me. Her gross sales are way higher than mine. She has a food truck and the two restaurants. So yeah. I'm like, what do you want with little little old me? She's like, no, no, no. Every time I'm with you, I learn something new and blah, blah, blah. So I learned a lot about her yeah. on how to even work and operate a kitchen in a restaurant. Because I never even yeah. worked. At, oh, that's a lie. Yeah. When I was 15, I worked at Eaton Park. That's in Western Pennsylvania. I'm from Pittsburgh. I worked there for two weeks as a waitress. It's the worst. So I never even worked in a restaurant before. So having that hands-on experience, uh, like, really helped. And we were able to, I was able to pivot and grow into, you know, where I belong. A lot of people's like, how come you guys don't work together anymore? I was like, it was never a permanent thing. She, right. she helped me out. It was right. like, we're still great friends. I'm going to have my two-year anniversary party at her new year, um, at her new restaurant on Spring Garden. And mm -hmm. she's been here an uh, uncountable amount of time getting the French toast milkshake. So uh, it, it was just great. And I just wanted other restaurateurs uh, to see that partnership. And you got to combine the resources. You, you, we we had to anyway to, yeah. to get through. And she wasn't closed the day yeah. during, during during Corona. Matter, <laughs> matter of fact, uh, I, mean, drink, I, drink. I mean, I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, on top of that, not only was she not closed the day, I'm thinking the second location kind of opened up around that time, didn't it, uh, Sharice? Yeah. She opened uh, the time. Yeah, she opened her second location in the middle, and she's only 25. I'm like, I'm almost 40, and we're just continuously learning from one, uh, yeah. from one another. And I just really, more than anything, serve as an inspiration to other restaurateurs in the city. Um, like, you're not in it alone. Like, I don't see other restaurateurs as competition. Yeah. The only competition I see, I see is funnel cakes. <laughs> but no, no. But I don't see it as, uh, as, com as competition, because who wants to be one restaurant on some random street? Put me on Restaurant Row, because that's where everybody's at so yeah. i think high tides rise all ships i don't think there's a such thing as competition in the space and that's why i see a lot of business not working out they tried to do it on their own and it, it just wasn't it didn't prove to be viable to me uh to do that 
I remember one of the first times you and I talked and you talked about the fact I used to, I used to say, I haven't heard you say it as much that you wanted to be the Auntie Annie's of French toast. Right? <laughs> oh, I, think, Auntie, like, I think, I think Auntie Anne wants to be the Sharice of uh, French toast. <laughs> Cause she got her fruit trucks out here. She knows no one's going to the malls anymore. <laughs> yeah, right, right. She she had to pivot. She had to she had to pivot. Yeah, yeah. But you know, but yeah, I, I even what, saw her on uh, DoorDash. Come on, Auntie Ed. You're in my face now. <laughs> so I, I, I think Ann Beeler wants to be the Charisse of French toast now. No, I'm <laughs> I say that when I'm drunk with friends. <laughs> well, you with friends. I don't know. You know what the water's doing for you, but I know me. I know me and Neff are probably feeling pretty nice right about now, but. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I, I the reason I brought that up is because I think it's so important for people to understand about doing what works and and staying in your lane for for lack of a better term and building on your product. And so I just wanted to really like you know have that conversation just a little bit of you talking about why you you know that was what you did and when people asked you you talked about that about when people asked well are you going to do chicken and waffles are you going to do you were like no i do french toast that's what i do i leave the chicken and waffles to the chicken and waffle people i leave the funnel cake to the funnel cake people i just kind of crap my only keep it simple you know it's very versatile we have like six different revenue models you know from catering to pop-ups to long-term engagements like at Spruce Street Hawk Park with one simple item with a large profit margin. So I'm, I'm cool. Like I, I don't need all the extra. We have bacon on a stick, which is very popular. And, we, you know, we included the milkshake. We'll do a couple of fun things depending yeah. on the location. But, you know, we're, we're rooted in French toast. Everything is French toast. French toast bites, French toast spice, French toast milkshake. That's my lane. That's, that, that, that's what I do. I'm not, French, I'm not a chef. I never went to cooking school. I, I, I never did anything. I went to get an MBA. So I'm focusing on growing an enterprise. Yeah, yeah. And, and my I, my people I look up to are the Auntie Anns and the Cinnabons and the Mrs. Fields of the world who kind of fir- figured out being in the high traffic areas worked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm, I'm not reinventing anything. I'm just taking what I like from all of my favorite companies. Mm-hmm, Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I, I put French toast bites right on the smack of the container because I know what people would take pictures of it. I, I didn't enter this business with a $10,000 marketing budget. Mm-hmm. I relied on my customers from, from City Hall of Christmas Village to promote the brand like oh i got these cool things man <laughs> so when i realized people were starting to like at christmas village people waited 35 minutes in 32 degree weather and before they took a bite they took a picture mm-hmm. i was like what i'm <laughs> on to something so i always say the camera eats first that's my marketing i don't i to this day i don't have a marketing budget <laughs> the camera eats first <laughs> camera eats first so you heard people, that, that's, that's, something that came, uh, that's just something that came natural I, when i saw that folks were waiting in line and taking it, it was like a badge of honor that they waited in the line to get these friendships. I was like, oh man, I, I got to stick with this. Yeah. She blew yeah. my mind. She blew my mind. <laughs> and what's amazing about listening to you, Sharice, is it sounds like you're having fun. It yeah. sounds like you love <laughs> what you do. Even when you're, you're facing adversity, you're like, I'm ready. Oh, yeah. you don't even know what I'm facing now. I, we got robbed last night here. Oh. I just saw the videotape and it looks like these guys that I served earlier yesterday. So I'm, I'm, I had to call the police after they had to get off the phone. So, you know, you, you don't let stuff hold you back. You just keep pushing through. You know, God bless them. I hope they probably needed it more than me. God bless them. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yes. that's, that's an amazing month, attitude. That six month uh, anniversary yeah. is all about resilience, right? All about resilience. <laughs> yeah. And that love of business is something that I've, I've read about Judy's book, uh, Good Morning, Beautiful Business, right? Great book. 
Great. Published in 2013, it won a national gold medal for business leadership and has been translated into Chinese and Korean. Why, Judy, is it so important in business to love what you're doing? Mm. It's everything. <laughs> People sometimes ask me, if you were to give one um, suggestion to an up and coming entrepreneur, what would it be? And I say, follow your heart, follow your passion. You know, if you're if you don't love it, uh, if it's not fun, you know, uh, it doesn't have meaning for you. It's not gonna it's not gonna work. Um, so um, yeah, I think it is about um, it is about enjoying your work and, and having it be meaningful, you know, to you um, for sure. Uh, and I want to say, Sharice, I grew up in Pittsburgh too, and I some of my first dates <laughs> were at Eaton Park. Oh <laughs> man, they still had the uh, best smiley face cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember pulling up there in some big old car that one of my friends would be driving, and we'd all get the like <laughs> floats and milkshakes and burgers and whatnot. Like, uh, the Squirrel Hill location was my lo was was my hangout location okay. over in Squirrel Hill. <laughs> I was in the North Hills. Uh, oh, gotcha. Went to North Allegheny High School. <laughs> oh, very nice. Uh, cool. You know, and I, and I love I love Philly. I haven't been back since I came to go to Temple, but I go back to visit. But I haven't gone back to live there because I just love the opportunity here. Yeah. Well, I came here in 1970 uh, to start a business, mm -hmm. um, and that was the we called it the Free People Store, and I grew up mm -hmm. to become Urban Outfitters, of course. Um, and uh, I started the store with my husband, who was my boyfriend from fifth grade. You know, in the little, little town Pittsburgh that we grew up in, and um, mm -hmm. we started it with three thousand dollars, and now it's like a you know, couple billion dollar company, uh, you know, global company. I, I mean, I he he's a right wing Republican, so we don't have anything in common anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he thinks that Rick Santorum is like the best politician ever, kind of thing. Uh, so anyway. Uh, uh, we, I didn't know exactly why I had to get out of the marriage at the time, but I, I understand now. Uh, and, uh, but uh, anyway, it was a good, a good marriage in, the, in, in, in that we birthed, birthed the wonderful company. It was wonderful in the beginning because it was very, you know, community oriented, uh, but then it grew up to be a, a global, <laughs> you know, global company. So it's not, it's not at all a local anymore, uh, but I have to hand it to him. He's a great businessman. He still is the CEO, CEO of my my, my fifth grade boyfriend. <laughs> uh, but uh, we came here to start that store because there didn't seem to be any stores around Penn, you know, for the Penn students, they were all torn down. And um, because we were only 23 years old, um, you know, I actually suggested the idea of having a store because we wanted to do a business and, and what kind of business could we do? I said, you know, stores are really easy because you just buy something at one price and you sell it for a higher price. That's all there is to mm -hmm. it, you know? So that's, right. that's about all we knew. But we knew what we liked, you know, for that age group. So we wanted to have a store for people under 30. Um, and um, just using, you know, that's another thing I say, like, just use what you have. Don't worry about what you don't have, you know, uh, use the resources you have. So we would go to Chinatown on garbage day and, and collect all the old wooden crates that were used to ship things with and made our, uh, our, our um, shelves out of, out of used lumber. Um, we actually lived in the back of the store because we couldn't afford an apartment and a storefront. <laughs> Uh, so we lived in the back of the store um, and um, we did things like uh, we bought um, uh, white t-shirts, you know, the ones with the, like the three buttons here, uh, like uh, underwear, mm -hmm. I guess there were with a three quarter length uh, sleeves. And then we uh, tie dye them and, and dyed them different bright colors. And so we bought them for whatever, a dollar and then would sell them for like six dollars. Um, mm -hmm. We went to the rag man um, and bought um, used clothes by the by the pound. 
So he, he let us go in there and go through these big bins of old clothes. So we would pick out like the fur coats and the leather jackets and the silk slips and whatnot, bought them by the pound, which was really cheap. So we maybe got a leather jacket for, you know, $2 or something and sell it for 50, you know? So we just used mm -hmm. our ingenuity um, to, um, you know, to, to build the business um, until we were at the point where we could get a bank loan and all that stuff. Um, so starting where you are, I, I think is a really mm -hmm. important thing and using the resources at hand um, and, you know, and start small. I mean, I think sometimes when people get some, uh, some big loan and they, you know, own five, they owe $500,000 to the bank or whatever. Um, and then they don't have the opportunity to tinker, to tinker around, you know, and figure out what works. You know, when you're doing it uh, with a small amount of money and you're growing slowly, you can, you can figure it out as you go along. Um, and, you know, if you get a big loan, you've got to have the whole business plan and what if you're off and blah, blah, blah. It's so nerve wracking and you don't get to have fun, you know, with kind of playing with it and learning, learning as you build a business. So, uh, yeah, so that was, uh, that was my, that was back in 1970. And that's when I moved here and I, I, I just love Philadelphia. Um, it, it's truly my, my, my home. I would never think about going anywhere else. <laughs> Although right this minute, <laughs> I'm, up the, <laughs> I'm up in the mountains, two hours north. Nice. And I got a, uh, I got a cabin up here for my 50th birthday present to myself. Um, and I had lived, you know, solid in, in, in the city for, I guess, uh, 30 years almost at that point. Um, and hadn't even thought about the woods, although I grew up in the woods. And then all of a sudden I thought, I need the woods in my life. I need the woods in my life. And so I bought this cabin and it's just been a lifesaver for me. So I've been hiding here from the virus. <laughs> I know. Uh, I've been up here since um, Memorial Day. Um, and uh, so it's very refreshing. I work, I mean, I work full time, you know, because it's a Zoom and whatnot. I mean, that, usually I go back and forth to Philadelphia for the meetings and the parties, but now there's no meetings and there's no parties. So <laughs> I just stay up here in nature and do my Zoom stuff. <laughs> so I know where we're starting to wind down. I think we could do this for hours, right? For hours. Uh, but I do want to just check in with both of you all because I hear uh, synergy in nostalgia, food and places, which makes me think about tourism in enduring COVID, Corona, during the pandemic, we're physically constrained for moving around. What do you see, Sharice? Um, just over the horizon, as, as we start to open back up, where is the opportunity in food and tourism? I have a very skewed, biased opinion because I'm at a tourist attraction. So even to this day, this is, uh, we moved in and opened up doors July 17th, 50% of our customers are tourists. And we're, because we're right in front of the Hilton. So, mm -hmm. I asked, you know, I'm engaging. So I said, you know, what, what are you, what are you guys doing today? What are you up to? You know, I'm, I'm always engaged, always asking. Like, oh, we took a day trip from Baltimore. We took a day trip. So, I, I think once the light turns green, I, I, I think we'll be back. It may take a year and a half to get fully there, but you can't tell me that Philadelphia is an itching to go back outside and have fun because I'm on Penn's Landing on Friday and Saturday nights. So I'm a little scooed in my opinion. Advice, because I'm here. I see the crowd that's at Mishulu. I see the uh, hotel parking lot right behind me, the Hilton. I see the barge bar, chicken and pizza. Chicken and pizza. We have the longest lines here. I, I think people are itching to get back. There's a summer fest here. You see the kids with their carnival uh, prizes that they won. I think people are itching and just waiting for the full green light. Mm 
mm. uh, to get back. So I, I think it will, it will recover. The tourism will recover strongly. And I think the mm -hmm. restaurants will be slowly keeping behind them yeah. just because restaurants will be a huge, huge uh, hit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Judy, how can we take that, that optimism, that opportunity and do just what you said, build that regional mesh, that network around something we know is just about to bubble and, and develop the type of uh, regional reliance, self-reliance and resilience that you preach about? Yeah. Well, um, you know, uh, uh, at All Together Now, we look at uh, uh, two general areas. One is to increase the supply, you know, by, by helping the, connect the farmers to the entrepreneurs and so on, and, and, and create those social enterprises where the gaps are that might be um, worker cooperatives or whatever. And then the other is to increase the demand, mm -hmm. you know, to educate the public about the importance of buying from local businesses like Cerisa's and so on. I mean, we... We need to, uh, instead of going to a chain uh, to, to buy something down uh, in Philly or whatever, to go, to go to, and buy from Cerise, you know what I mean? Like, we need to support each other. We need to support our businesses um, and stop buying from chains and stop buying from the, from the multinational, buy, stop buying from the man, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's buy from each other, you know, each other. I was wondering how long it was going to take for Judy to say, stop buying from the man. I was just waiting for you. I'm, I'm shocked that it took this long. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, and I, I, I wanted to comment on, you mentioned uh, food and tourism. I just wanted to say a couple of things briefly. That the pandemic uh, has blown the cover off the failure of the centralized, industrial, corporate-controlled food system. You know, it failed us during the pandemic. There were empty grocery shelves. Uh, they were pouring the milk down the drain. They were like killing off all the pigs and stuff because the system failed. At the same time, our local food system pivoted and 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 came to our rescue. Um, and you know, really, um, uh, the, the the farmers figured out how to reach the uh, the consumers. And what's that? Oh. oh, okay. I'm on. I'm on the. I'm on a Zoom call. Somebody's at my door. I. I I can't come out right now. <laughs> this is man. live radio, people. It's the man, Judy. Man, door is coming to get me. <laughs> you have witnesses. You have witnesses. I'll be right there. I, I can't come right now. I'm on a show. <laughs> uh, hold on a minute. Um, so anyway, so the other thing I want to mention is about tourism, that we have to have local tourism, that our Pennsylvania folks have to understand. We have a lot to see right here in our cities and in our rural areas. We don't have to go to New York all the time. We don't have to fly off to Paris or Chicago or whatever. We have to um, uh, explore our own resources here. There's just so much culture and charm, you know, in our cities and in our rural towns and so on. Um, so that's part of that's one of the uh, sectors we're focusing on it all together now is local tourism to try and get Pennsylvanians to support our own. Um, so I find that to be fascinating. I and Tanya have been talking about this regional approach of Philly for Monco, where I live in Montgomery County, Upper Marion, uh, but the the Delaware, Bucks, Chester counties in Philadelphia proper and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So synergy is in the air, right? Buckmaster yeah. Fuller. Mm -hmm. So as we close, I wanna, I just, I wanna say thank you to Venture Cafe, Tracy, uh, Gary, Emily, you all have been great. 
Jen's not here, but I have to say thank you to Jen and Natalie uh, for supporting us in kind of just this space of exploration with Impact the Podcast. So as we move into next month, I want to capture today your thank yous. Like who has been just a contributor to your resiliency, uh, whether it's at you personally or your, your business. So Judy, can we start with you? Who do you want to say thank you for supporting your resilience during the pandemic? During the pandemic, so not my life. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, okay, uh, well, the farmers, uh, you know, I'm so grateful that uh, the farmers, um, you know, I had food delivered to my house, uh, you know, uh, so I think the farmers really rose to the occasion and kept us fed. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I want to uh, thank our local farmers. Wonderful. So Cherise, up to you next. Who do you want to oh, thank man. for? Six months of resilience. Whew. All right, definitely the African American Chamber of Commerce. These are all people who posed as like resources for me, uh, hired me. So I definitely want to shout out to Venture Cafes. I'll have to shout out my good folks at CIC Philly. They were <laughs> our first uh, catering job amid COVID. They allowed me to come in and take photos. I brought my photographer with me because we have a whole new COVID catering setup. And my, my good folks over there, Sally. Uh, that I was able to come in and take pictures and set it up for their staff, how we would do it. And we've since gotten more uh, catering because people are doing, uh, companies are inviting our employees back. So there's more morale boosting catering opportunities for us. And so we've changed our catering model to support that. And they were the first folks to hire us. So little things like that really go a long way, not just for hiring us, but allowing us to come in with the photographer, allowing us to you know make it a thing and use them a part of our marketing material. Um, the African American Chamber of Commerce, the Center for Culinary Enterprise, the Better Box, my staff, because they were unemployed. You know, I have a schedule where we work every day from April 1st to December 31st. So uh, during the first three months, we're off and that's fine. And then we're, we're supposed to get right back to work. And that was kind of limited a little bit. So they stuck with me and I still have my same staff and I appreciate them for that. Uh, Temple, St. Joe's, their support has been overwhelming, just getting the message out along the uh, alumni networks. Uh, being the media has been very favorable to my story and propelling my career. So I appreciate that folks like you for allowing me to have a platform and get story out because I don't think people buy things. I think they buy things from people who they can relate to and who they like. So any opportunity I get to share my personality, share my journey and share my story, it all helps. And I, I appreciate these kind of opportunities. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Reese. I want to um, thank um, Judy and Sheree, I was so excited about this episode because <laughs> I knew there would be so much synergy around food and systems. And so really grateful for you all coming on the show and just want to echo um, Neff to Tracy and Gary and Emily and, and Jen and Natalie and Grace who came and helped me get set oh, up please. today in the, in the uh, studio and Sally and all of those folks. So just, just thank you to those. But I really want to thank um, my family and, and they've been incredible during this time, making sure that, you know, the house was okay and being there for deliveries and all of those things. And then I really want to thank our, our, our city employees. I think I, the city of Philadelphia employees, have really been incredible during this time specifically. And I know folks fuss about the trash piling up and things like that, but you know, it's a dirty job and somebody's got to do it. And, and they've been doing it to the best of their abilities along with our SEPTA bus drivers and, and all of these folks and, and all of these entrepreneurs out here 
that have been, you know, grinding and maintaining during during this time. And so I just want to thank you all for, for sharing your stories with us over these last six months. Um, today was really, this week has been a little hard for me. I've had some challenges at home this week. How would he to win and all those, you know, all those things that come with being a homeowner, but um, it's been challenging. And then, you know, we had yet another uh, black man be a victim of police brutality. And, and so you just continue. Um, it becomes harder every day to push these things aside and continue to do what you have to do to live and to breathe and to operate. And so um, you all help us to be able to do that. And I think we help each other with being able to do that. So I just want to thank you uh, for that time. Six months. I can't even believe that it's been, I want to thank Nefertiri for putting up with my nonsense. And so (laughs) it's been, it's been a pleasure. Uh, We're excited about September. Uh, September 24th, we're going to celebrate our six-month anniversary, and we're going to bring, we have Judy and Sharice's quotes now, and we're going to bring back Jeff Jeff Hornstein and Jabari Jones and everybody that came on our show the last six months. We're hoping to be able to, you know, to get them to contribute. So thank you all for, for listening and um, for making an impact. That's all I got, Neff. Oh, <laughs> you want me to, I, I can, I, I've had a lot of Black is Beautiful. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll do the radio out thank you for tuning in to impact um, teachers and mom your business podcast where you can listen and be heard Let's hit that I-5 Get away from BS Don't waste no downtime I don't ever like them bougie That's the type that wanna sue me And when we get together Hit it like fever forever I wanna know Is this real or fake? Do I have a chance or am I paving ways? I'm trying to find a reason not to say your name Small, yeah. Tell her what I want, what I really, really want